Welcome back to Be Mindfully You. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh, this is episode 10. I like can't believe I'm sitting here. I'm like 10 episodes already. Oh my gosh, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? Um, those of you who may be catching this um, as your first episode, welcome. My name is Brenda Gatimo. I am a licensed clinical social worker in the beautiful state of Wyoming, a mother and stepmother to four kids, and we just enjoy talking about anything and everything, really. There's like no topic that is left off of the table. I am a newly breast cancer survivor, and so we've talked a lot about, you know, that. Well, not a lot about that, but just a lot about all the different areas of life between being a mom and a career person and a breast cancer survivor and all that stuff. And we've yet to really like dig deep into like all of my stuff. And I have been sitting on this since doing a podcast with a wonderful lady named Mary and she does a podcast called Cowboy Courage or Cowgirl Courage. Excuse me. Oh my goodness. As I'm butchering things over here. And as I was sitting there with her talking about just my life and, um, her thing really is all about cowgirl as an attitude, um, the choice of a life lived with courage, conviction, faith, and intention. And I loved that she invited me to be a part of her podcast. It was so much fun talking with her. And I think the biggest realization I had was the fact that there is a lot more that has happened in my life that I have forgotten to talk about, like the healing process of the things that I've needed to go through. So today we're dedicating this podcast to history. I think that's, that's, that's kind of the word we're going to go with. <laughs> um, and I want to get started on that and just kind of talk about my history of where I am and what's kind of influenced my life and my decisions and my choices and why I have kind of the viewpoint that I have. So to break it on down, we kind of have to go back and I'm just going to list out these things that have happened and occurred in my life. Okay, so... At 18 years old, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of relationship stuff like in high school of like little defining moments. And I guess maybe I should back up and kind of clarify this like trauma is not these big, crazy events, although the big, crazy events kind of, uh, I, I guess you would say unlock or... um 
impact us in such a way that our decision making um, shifts and changes. And it can be for a period of time. It can be for a long period of time. It can be for a short period of time, kind of whatever. Um, but there's also small traumas and people forget about that as well, too, that there's a lot of little things that kind of push and steer and, you know, turn you in certain ways because of the small re- repetitiveness of them. So, um, my biggest stuff for me what happened in high school I think a lot of the peer pressure and um the drama amongst like the girls and the school and the little um just the little things like I was always just very true to myself now sometimes back then I didn't feel like I was being true to myself but like when I look back at it now there was a lot of things that I did not give into that I didn't want to be a part of um that I didn't you know I just didn't do it because I didn't either like I just didn't agree with it or I um just thought I don't even know if the words are like better, but I just knew it wasn't something for me, I guess is how I could explain that. Um, and I, with the dating and I, and I truly feel that a lot of, a lot of girls feel this, that the, just the sense of unwanted, like you're always looking for somebody to be wanted. And so when you have a relationship and you open yourself up to that relationship and then the person cheats on you and then there's drama amongst that, because let's face it, growing up in a small town, everybody knows everybody, um, that your business is their business. And it's just this, um, like catch 22 where everybody's just in everybody's freaking business all the time. So, um, then it's like, okay, so you get into another relationship because somebody else is interested and then they too do the same exact thing and there's all this drama and things and then you jump from that into another relationship or attempting to find another relationship and then you jump into another relationship and get in into that and then there's um, a lot of valuable, like just I say valuable because there's so many learning things that you learn from the relationships and, um, and then the cheating happens again. And I think for me, and I know that a lot of women have felt this way, so I don't want to state that a lot of people feel this way, but I really do feel that there is a majority of us that are left with that question of why, like why me? Why does this keep happening? And then the big one is what's wrong with me. And, um, you know, this person, these people keep cheating on me. It doesn't matter what I do or how I dress or how I look or, you know, anything, but they just keep cheating on me. And why do they keep cheating on me? Like, I don't understand. Like, where is this coming from? Like, what am I doing? You know? And it's like all these crazy questions just keep flowing over and over. And, at one point, and I remember it was like the last straw for me. I was so angry, so angry. Um, a lot of people would describe me in high school as very sweet and kind, um, friends with everybody. Uh, my younger brother was like, you were so popular. And I never felt like I was part of the popular crowd. I felt like I was well known, but never um, like 
popular. And so some people argue with me about that and they're like, oh yeah, you are absolutely popular. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess define popularity and that definition is going to be definitely different for, for, you know, each individual person. So, um, and I, yeah, so I'm like super, 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 super angry at this point. Just very upset with the opposite sex. And I was just like, I am done. So I start partying and, and living, I guess, living my best life at that point. Um, I worked a lot because working was super important to me and schooling was always a priority in my family. So maintaining good grades, you know, doing all that stuff. Um, and I always did. I partied hard, but I also took care of my business. I paid my bills. I, you know, I worked 40 hours a week. I, you know, uh, went shopping. I kept maintained my grades. Like that was never an issue for me. And um, the summer of me being 18, I was partying so much. Um, and I wasn't partying with people my age. And I think that was like the big thing for me. My junior year in high school, I was not partying with people my age. They were a couple years older than I was the same thing. My senior year, um, I would hang out with like some of my friends and school, school age mates, but mostly it was people that were older than I was. Um, and then when summertime came, I graduated and I didn't even go to last blast. I went and did my own thing, was hanging out with um, a certain boy and a group of people. And I remember, so we usually graduated like the beginning of June, end of, end of May. Um, and I, it was July and I just remember partying all night long. And I'm pretty sure at this point, the guy, the, the boy that I was super interested in had, um, told me he wanted to date. And I found out like, well, I don't know, a couple weeks later that he had, he, when I had said, like I told him, I am so angry and so upset with like boys in general, that if we decide to do this, like I need to know that it is something that you are very serious about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super serious, super serious. I was at graduation and this dude was fooling around with another chick. And I remember finding out about it when he was off working and I was like, Oh God, you know, not answering phone calls, not saying anything, not responding back, nothing, all this stuff. And I was just like, I am done. Like I can't get a hold of this dude. I can't tell him it's over. Can't like nothing. Um, and so I go off and I am partying all night and these a couple other guys want to go fishing like in the wee early mornings and of course we've been up all freaking night long so we decide to go out um put the boat into the river and they're fishing and I slept for a little while because I got super tired and so I slept for a little while and I uh got got up they do like you have to like you drop off one car and then you everybody hauls into one and goes to the next one and then they drop off and like, you know, you go back. So, um, I was the one that hauled everybody out after we dropped off one vehicle. So we hauled, I hauled everybody out. And so they had to haul me back to my car. And as I was coming back in and I don't have like 
a whole lot of memory, but I'm sure my exhaustion probably played into this. Um, a bystander stated that somebody had um, cut in front of me. And I just remember the mile marker pole slapping my hood of my car and I jerked. Now this is when the power steering changed and the overcorrection because of how touchy it was, like was super big. So I was in 2006 Honda Civic and I like pulled out to get away from the mile marker poles because it scared the crap out of me. And I went flying the opposite direction this was July 2nd of 2006 and I went to correct the car and I overcorrected to the right and it sent me flying. And um, I remember bracing myself one arm on the steering wheel, one arm, one hand up on the sunroof window and I'm rolling and all I could think in my head and um, language language check right now <laughs> was, oh, fuck, if I survive this, my parents are going to kill me. And I just, man, and then it was like blackout. And I remember things hitting me in the face. I remember seeing my cell phone go flying out the window. Um, cause at that time it was just a simple old flip phone and it was like pinned up on my, um, visor of my car. And I just remember it just whew, like right out the window. And I remember coming to, and I'm staring at my hands and I'm just shaking. And all I can see is little tiny cuts all over my body. And, um, when my hearing comes to, so first it was blank and my body was just shaking. Like I had no visual. Then my vision came into play and it was blurry. And then my hearing kicked in after that. And I like looked over at somebody because they were yelling at me. And I just remember the dude stating, sweetheart, I'm an off duty, you know, EMT. I'm here to help you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then this woman, and I don't know who this, this other woman was, but she, um, I'm in shock, you know, and there are, it was like traffic going out to the lake was so busy and I was coming in. And so there are just cars everywhere. And I just remember this woman screaming at me and she's like holding my phone, telling me that she found my phone, but you know, to like she's telling me to tell, tell her who to call. And I'm like, um, like I just could not think straight. Um, so I remember talking to the um, EMTs when they arrived and they were asking me if I wanted to ride to the hospital. And the first thing out of my mouth was, how much is that going to cost me? <laughs> and I was like, oh God, you know, so they told me the price and I was like, heck no. I said, I'll find a ride to the hospital, like to get myself checked out. Don't worry about it. Lord have mercy. I'd never been chewed out so hard by my mom when she found that out. Um, so I, both of my parents were out of town. My younger brother was out of town. Um, my dad was working in, is, you know, was working in the oil field, but he was in Colorado. Um, mom was down there visiting him and brother left for a marching band trip. And I was alone. And so I called our near and dear good friend and somebody I call uncle and asked him to meet me at the hospital. And I remember snatching my phone from this woman and making the phone call to my best friend to come help me out. And, um, 
an ex-boyfriend who was a friend of mine, still a good friend of mine. Um, and so my best friend called some other people and all the stuff and the guys that the two dudes that I was with for the, the ins like floating down the river with them, they, uh, pulled up to the accident site and then just kept driving. <laughs> like there's no assistance, no help whatsoever, which of course fuel fueled the flames for, for that as well too, for that, um, you know, she, she, she hate, hate man kind of club that I had going on. Um, I was okay. Uh, and later I found out that that off-duty EMT had told his wife to stay in the car because whoever was in that car was dead. There was no way that I, I should have survived that car accident. And, um, I think what they had stated, if I remember my facts correctly, I had rolled five or six times in about 270 feet. And, um, I mean, it was bad. Like the suspension was ripped out of my car. Every window was shattered except for the sunroof. Um, where my hand was at, mind you, um, the tires were complete rims were completely flattened. Um, somehow I landed right side up, which was the most incredible thing. And I walked out with scratches and a major seatbelt burn that went from clear from my left top shoulder all the way down across my chest. Um, that sucker hurt. And I mean, it was thick. <laughs> that burn was crazy. And, um, just have no idea. Like I freaking survived that massive car accident. And my mom came racing home because my uncle called her, you know, and informed her. So she came home. Um, the second I saw her as a ball and freaking mess, the boy I couldn't get a hold of oh, magically somehow got a hold of me and came home the second he found out and, um, all the stuff and thus started this, um, crazy relationship. And so from that point on, I was in this relationship with this guy. It was super toxic. Both of us just not having very good habits, um, and contributing to both of the things. And then it just continued to escalate. Um, and in one year's time, and this was so like, so crazy to me in one year's time, I had a car accident, major car accident. I, major fallout with my parents, moved in with a dude, um, major toxic relationship, got, got pregnant, not once, but twice, had two miscarriages, um, was engaged, not engaged anymore. Um, it was just a lot in a short period of time. I stopped going to college. I went for one semester and took time off because I just was so angry about everything. And so the, the saying from my mom was, is, um, everything that you could do in your adult life, you did in a 10 month time period like everything that could happen to me, it, like even just any adult, like happened within a 10 month time period. And it was insane. And I was living an insane life, just metal pedal, you know, pedal to the floorboards, just go, 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 go. I'm just crazy. Um, then after a while, when 
it was like right before I got pregnant the second, the second time. Um, I had no idea that I was pregnant and then I found out I was pregnant and then I miscarried and I had made the decision. Like I was gone. Like I wanted nothing further to do. I was moving forward. Like I, I could not keep living this life. So I started making decisions for myself and, you know, there was like, I'm like trying not to go into the big super nitty gritties, but I mean, there was physical keep like physical aggression. There was, um, (sighs) emotional abuse, the verbal abuse. Um, I would even say that there was like borderline some sexual stuff. And when I say sexual stuff, I say, I'm, I'm talking about like, um, let me emotionally tear you down and rip you apart. And then afterwards, um, we're going to have sexual relations because for whatever reason that makes me feel better. And it just turns my crank on. And I was like, Oh, you know, Oh God. But when you're in it, like you don't see all of this stuff. So, I mean, there was just, there was a lot of twisted, just twisted stuff inside of it. Um, I was isolated in that relationship as well too. Like for five months, one of my friends was like, where the heck have you been? I thought you left, um, like the entire state. And I was like, nope, still here, friend, still here. Just, you know, like dictating who I hung out with. And then there was like people that would spy on me if they saw me out and like go report to him about it. I mean, there was just I mean, it was just crazy from 18 to 20 of like trying to get rid of all of this stuff. Like we broke up and I was trying to get away from all of it and heal. And, um, it was just, it just was, oh, it just was insane. Um, needless to say at 22 years old, I, um, was dating, I started dating my now husband and there's times where I'm like, Oh God, I have no idea how we, how we did or why he chose, who chose me. Um, and in that podcast, I kind of go into more details about it as well too, which I'm sure I will on here as well. But, um, we went through school. I got back in school, was doing really, really well for myself, supporting myself, doing all that stuff. Um, made amends with my, my folks worked on that stuff, lived with them for a short stint of time and then got myself out and into my own apartment. Um, my husband and I at the time were really, really good friends. And then, uh, you know, a year later we started dating. So at 22 years old, we're dating. Um, and things were, things were going really well. I mean, we were in college, we graduated our associates, then, um, he got a good job working into, you know, his career. And then I did my bachelor's degree and then turn around and we got married, had his folks out here, started my master's program, graduated my master's program, um, got pregnant with our first son. And when we moved back to Casper, um, we went through a lot of life circumstances as well too. And that was part of the reason why we came back to Casper. Um, my husband was a victim of a violent assault. Um, and that 
strapped us with a massive medical bill that we were not expecting after having a, a brand new baby and the death of my grandmother at that time as well too. Um, and so we had the baby and then we moved, we had my grandmother's death and then we moved back to Casper all within the time frame of like four to six weeks old was how old Malcolm was. And um, and then his assault happened and I had was returned to work to help support some of the stuff that was happening. And so, I mean, it was just all this crazy stuff, right? So that was 27. So I think about those years as I have it written down, like 18 and then 18 to 20 was crazy. Um, 20 to 22 was me trying to figure things out. And then you have 22 to 27, five years of me just going to college and figuring things out and, and doing, doing the things right. Um, then we have me at 30. Hi, pumpkin. I love you. You need to go to bed, okay? Can I just wait in here with you? No, pumpkin. It's 8.38, okay? You complained about not having good sleep. All right, you know me. And hashtag mom life. Um, where was I? So yeah, 27. So 22 to 27. So five years of just like what I would like to call as normalcy, like the normal life things that you're going through step by step, you know, like college and then the wedding and all of that, you know, whatever. So, um, I feel like that was pretty, I mean, pretty good five years of learning myself, learning my husband. We moved to, you know, a different state, did all these things and experienced these things together and enjoyed life and, and just, just all of it. I mean, it was great. Um, so 27, we had 27 years old. I had that situation with him and the financial stuff. And, um, we really had to take a step back. I mean, major steps back, like real back <laughs> and, and work our way and claw our way through that. But even a year later at 28, we were standing in our first purchased home, um, pregnant with our second son, uh, you know, creating this new journey for ourselves and it was great. So fast forward, um, a couple years. So let's see, 28 to 30, um, was about two and a half years. It was pretty, pretty awesome. Again, just going through the growing pains, life things, but career wise, like both of us were doing our thing. Life was good. Um, and then at 30, almost 31 years old, I um, had a very diff difficult delivery with our third son. And then two weeks later, I had a postpartum hemorrhage and almost died. Um, January 31st of 2019 was a pretty memorable day <laughs> um, with me almost dying and bleeding out on the operation table. And um, four hours after I come out of surgery, Nemo's bringing back supplies that I need at the hospital that I wasn't expecting that I would need because, you know, surgery. And um, well, I went in for one operation and came out with something totally different. And so um, I had a hysterectomy 
And on his way back, he had left our newborn son, who was two weeks old on that day, um, with our diagonal neighbors. Um, so he could just run the stuff in without having to unhook the baby and bring him through the cold weather in the parking garage and up into the hospital with all the other stuff. And he leaves the, the, our neighborhood and gets hit head on by a drunk driver. And thankfully, he was completely okay. And um, you know, he had some back issues, but that that gal was okay. And luckily, because she had a kid that was unstrapped in the car, but just the luck of almost dying and then boom let's see what he can handle boom let's do this and our family car then needing services because of i mean it just was like how many things it's have to like boom boom i mean in one freaking day it just was so intense and i had a lot of trauma after that my body was just in so much pain and the recovery from it and all of these things it just it just was it was a lot and I was very emotional and and detached at times because of how I felt with my child um with my youngest son and you know he wasn't growing and they wanted you in there for weekly checks sometimes twice a week checks to see where his ounces were at and what he was doing and then they tell you what to do and the supplement all this stuff so I have two toddlers and a nursing newborn and trying to get him to gain weight but he won't gain weight and till mommy got better and when mommy started feeling better and doing better than could hold him then he started gaining weight and we didn't have any issues again but it just was like one thing after another like for three and a half years my body was not my body I think I had a 10 month break um before yeah 11 months 11 month break before I got pregnant uh, you know for the third time and like going through that and so it just was so so much um and knowing that you almost died and your body is physically altered and changed and going through because they were not kind when they did that surgery because it was life-saving and um I understand that um but it was really hard for me like that association in my brain blamed my baby for doing that to me and so um I did EMD some EMDR work to help with breaking that down and um, solidifying things back into place for myself because it just was that association I knew was not I mean it just wasn't something like like who wants to look at their newborn child and and come face to face with the fact that they have these thoughts like oh you're really sweet buddy but um you kind of messed me up you know and I like oh it just as I'm sitting here getting choked up it's just really hard to come face to face with those nasty thoughts. And, and it makes you wonder why your brain would make such associations like that. But that's the thing about trauma. It doesn't make sense. Um, that's just how your brain tries to process things. And as a counselor, I, I totally get that. But when you're going through it yourself, it's, it's, um, it's just tough. So, um, I get better and I start to consciously make a decision that, okay, like I've got to get my health 
in check. Like I need to be here for my boys. I need to do all this stuff. Um, I was 31 years old. That was in 2019. And in November of 2020 was then when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, standing there at 32 years old, man, and I was as, I mean, healthy as you could be. I was eating well. I was doing the things. Was there alcohol? Of course, nothing that was like over ridiculously of use or anything like that. But I just, I don't know, like just a lot. And I know there's so many people with stories like mine and, and so many people that have probably faced even more And I'm struggling for words, but I just, I'm not going to compare my story to somebody else's because it's just that my story. And I don't think that any of you should compare or anyone should compare their story to mine or, or state that. I've gone through so much like I that I just have no right to complain because we all at going through crap have a right to complain at some point or another. I've complained. I have asked why. I have wondered what I've done to deserve these things that have been handed to me. I have had anger. Um, resentment, envy, jealousy, you know, depression, sadness, loneliness, but I have also had so much happiness and excitement and love and support and joy and hope and that thing for me is a choice to focus on the negativity because I'm telling you when I have written this down and I have it written down on my journal and I'm staring at it 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 it's like a rap sheet like it literally just feels like 18 18 20 20 22 27 20 30 32 blah 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 and I'm like all of these things in between and when I was talking um, with Mary, I was like, oh my God, I forgot about this and I forgot about that because there's so much time that has passed and so many things that have been so much bigger that they now feel small in comparison. But in reality, when you talk about it out loud, it's really not like these things shaped decisions that I made. Now I can't say that they shaped me because they're just a piece of it, but like they shaped a lot of decisions. Um, coming that close to death at 18, then jumping into a relationship that I thought was like, what was the best for me? That was not the best for me that then shaped the, 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 the way that I had to find myself of feeling like an empty shell of nothing of no one, because I was told I was nothing and no one for, you know, an entire year of my life. And, and you believe that and you, um, allow them to do things to you that you, 
in your right mind would be like, boy, get lost. Like, what the heck do you, what, like, what do you mean? Um, and it's just uh, scraping and pulling myself up out of that and creating my boundaries and stating no more, no freaking more. Um, to then finding somebody so beautiful um, and wonderful and supportive and willing to just hold my hand and not fix things, but just allow me to fix them myself and do all those things um, that I needed to do and support me and see past the hurt, see past the bruises, see past the pain to the core and to my potential and knowing that one day that potential was going to come because a lot of people ran the other direction. Ooh, she, she did what? She got way too much baggage. Mm-mm. And people did do that. I mean, my husband was asked by several people, are you sure? Are you sure that's, that's who you want to date? <laughs> and he was, firm in his decision making I always giggle and tell him he was very consistent and persistent <laughs> um, but it it just ugh, sometimes I'm amazed at some of the things that I have survived and lived through and grown from and learned my lessons and processed and still process through things because it does make me have this like oh am I am I being sensitive to this am I being judgmental about this am I feeling closed off and let me tell you if there's one thing that closes you off and wants you to sure up your boundaries and make sure that you are safe it's going through traumatic events, life-changing events um, that make you reconsider things. And I have found myself um, feeling closed off, like my boundaries are much, much, much more in. And so um, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. I am... It's a lot of crap to go through (laughs) and it's my life. It's my story. It's, um, my word perseverance, that quality that I never really knew what the word was or how to describe it, but I just knew in, in my soul that I needed to stand up no matter what was thrown at me and continue to go on to feel at the end to feel hopeless and helpless and know that oh god oh man what 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 can i do what can i do what can i do and finding some way even if it wasn't what people wanted me to do or what people thought i should do but just still finding a way through it um finding a way to put one step in front of the one foot in front of the other and managing the emotions and and combing through them and getting personal with them and getting deep and dark with yourself because it is scary 
and you are the only person that can do it. And you're going to feel all the feels. You're going to feel at any given point all of the emotions on the on the spectrum of stuff and you have to and it's dark but there's also so much light and doing the work is hard and it is tear jerking and anger provoking and tears i mean so many tears um but I can honestly state that I am a stronger and better person today. And I can honestly say that I never want to go back to being 18 years old again and going back through all of that stages. Oh, I mean, from 15 to 20, I was like, don't want to do it. Don't ever want to do it again. Mm-mm, I'm good right that. Um, But if you have survived through things, a lot of things that I tell clients um, that I've told them in the past is, is, uh, what have you contributed? Things happen to you, yes, but also what, what have you contributed? And that's really where the learning starts we can point fingers at people all day long. Uh, They did this, he did that, she did that, blah, blah, blah. Um, The real work begins when you turn that finger at yourself and ask, what have I done? How have I done this? What what can I do? Where do I need to go? What What do I need to change? How can I live the best, best version of my life and be the best version of me? And you'll go through all those emotions it's part of it and it is hard but it's worth the fight and I think that's the biggest thing that I stay focused on is it's worth the fight to be like what Matthew McConaughey stated who's your hero the version of me 10 years from now somebody walked up to him and asked him okay so who's your hero now the version of me 10 years from now I always want to strive to be better and learn more and expand myself to the fullest capability. So why not have your own hero be you? Anywho, history. We can learn a lot of things from history. So what are you learning? thank you guys enough for joining in and and listening to this history of myself and just 
letting me just share my stuff. So as always, stay mindful, be mindfully you. Join in on your passions and your purposes and find a way to enjoy life. Um, I always give like a little tidbit afterwards and I just, I feel like, yeah, just be mindfully you. Always self-reflect, always turn that finger inwards and figure, figure out next steps, figure out where you're at, learn and grow and keep moving forward. So, uh, music as always, um, by Francesca Battistelli, the breakup song. I don't think I'll ever get sick of it. Um, it's just wonderful and so applicable to everything that we talk about here. Be mindful of you. So if I could chat and talk properly, Ooh, it's late. Anyways, catch you guys on the next episode. See you soon.